My guest today is a phenomenal drummer, is currently the drummer for Korn, and also in a new band with George Lynch and Doug Pinnock called KXM. I'd like to welcome Ray Luzier to the show. Ray, thanks for being here. Hey, Roy. Hey, man. What's happening? I'm all right. How you been? I'm good, man. Thanks for uh, for being here. So right now, has the tour started yet with Korn, or it's, or it's picking up soon? We never really stopped, man. It's weird. I mean, we had some time off in the past couple months, but we just did Soundwave Festival, uh, 75 bands on 14 stages over in Australia. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was insane. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like it's they're literally overlapping from, from like, Green Day to Mute Math to Kojira. I mean, the broadened spectrums and, and us. We just got back from that a couple weeks ago, and um, we're going to Europe right after we see you guys um, for a month. And then we have all kinds of stuff planned for the summer. And yeah, it's, 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 Corn's one of those bands that never really stops. We always go about three or four weeks and then take a couple weeks off because we all have families we want to see. You know, right. No, that's cool. You know, there's sort of those bands from each decade that are the two or three that stick out and can tour for the next 40 years. You know, like Crew did from the 80s or something. And so I guess you guys yeah. are one of those that can tour forever and it's just never going to go away. Thank God. No, I hope it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> you, you never know. I mean, it's, that's what cracks me up. There's no, everyone always says that there's no fans like ours, but corn fans are freaking in it, man. There, there's no joke. I mean, this, these people have all the album covers tattooed down their leg. And this girl <laughs> come up with Jonathan's portrait on her arm. I mean, they've seen, you know, this girl in Europe saw us 47 times. It's like, they're, it's crazy, man. Um, which is cool. I mean, to have, to have a, a band like that that has such worldwide appeal is a, is a cool thing. You know, some bands only are big in uh, Canada and the States or Europe or whatever. Uh, the first, this is my seventh year of the corn now, and, and uh, you know, not many bands you can go to Dubai or, or South right. Africa or, you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Congrats on that. Um, so I'm really excited about the KXM album. Uh, cool. You know, I've been listening to it like crazy for the last couple of weeks since I got it, and it's really great. Um, oh, thank you. I know you've been talking about it, and I know you've been doing a lot of interviews uh, about the record, so I appreciate you doing it with us again. Um, but so, so tell the story, I guess, of about how how you know George and Doug. I, I guess you knew them prior to to even putting this band together, right? Yeah, yeah. The long story short um, is, you know, through the I've been a huge, huge Kings X fan. If you guys don't have Kings X records or reading this or listening, go buy them all. They're awesome. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, I was such a huge fan that I would fly to other states. You know, Jersey to to I'm sorry, Phoenix. I live in LA. Phoenix to Vegas to San Fran, and uh, and after a while, I got to know Doug. and We became friends, and then um, he and I ended up inviting him to like David Lee Roth shows and any band I was in, Army of Anyone, and. Uh, we just became really good friends. And then George Lynch, um, I was a music instructor at Musicians Institute for about 10 years, off and on around tours. And uh, my, one of my jobs at the drum department was to, to, we had famous people come in, like Kirk Hammett from Metallica to Lynch to whoever. And uh, my job was to put a rhythm section together and for their clinics. And so it would be the house band kind of thing. And that's how I met George. He came in and I, had the band learn Mr. Scary and some Dawkins songs and right. Bob. And then uh, we got to be friends and he asked me to play on his instructional DVD with James Lomenzo and next thing you know, um, my kid uh, turned one a couple years ago, my son, and uh, we had a party for him. In LA, everyone knows it's the land of flakes. You invite 100 people, 15 show up. <laughs> and uh, next thing you know, at the end of the night, 
couple, a couple of my rock star friends like Dean DeLeo, Billy Sheehan, Doug Pinnock, George Lynch were all were all standing around. Next thing you know, George, Doug, and I ended up in my little studio and uh, started. They started picking up my guitars and, and checking them out. And George goes, "Man, this would be a great lineup right here." And I'm like, "Yeah, that'll happen because we're everyone's so busy, you know, uh, with our schedules and tours." And and he was, you know, we all agreed that that'd be a great thing. But George was really adamant about, like, "Hey, man, let's just make this happen." I have, you know, Corn's off this weekend. Lynch Mob's done here. Let's, you know, Doug has this date, and that's how we just started doing chipping away. Like, you know, we did it up in the uh, up in the middle of nowhere. It's a place called Sound Mountain. And that was that was one of the rules. We didn't want to have it at a studio, you know, normal vibe. We wanted to be real comfortable. We actually did in a living room up in the middle of nowhere, mm. uh, Northern California. So uh, that was a cool because we just had fun. You know, the rule was on the record: no one gets to tell each other what to do. Like a lot of times, the guitar player suggests a drummer to play something, or the drummer will say, "Hey, tell the bass player to do this." That wasn't the rule. Like if George would tell Doug, "Hey, follow me on this." Lion in unison. Doug would say nope, and, <laughs> and and it was really funny because there's so much experience between the three of us. You know, um, I'm the baby in the band. I'm 43, and those guys got so many decades of, of worldwide you know experience and recordings that I think it all comes through in the music. You know, yeah. Um, the um. So did you write it and record it in like a, a quick period of time, or was it? Yeah. Uh, it, so it wasn't like sending tapes over the internet and all that kind of stuff. No, I mean it was, it was it was. I say quickly, but it was done over a process of a year and a half because you know our schedules. Like basically, what we would do is would beat, we'd write something completely fresh, and by the end of the day, we were tracking drums live. Wow. And then we'd move on to the next song. So. We would keep the drums. They would come back and do overdubs with minimal fixes, and, mm -hmm. uh, and we kept it nice and live and fresh. We didn't want to. There's too much stuff that's stale these days. I mean, I use samples on the drums uh, in the final mix, but everything's very raw and organically done. We didn't, you know, too many people. They take too much time and overproduce it and overthink it, and it sounds too perfect. You know, we wanted it to have that old school rock mentality too. You know. No, it's and the thing that comes through with it is the live feel. And I mean, surprisingly so, with the way you're saying it recorded, the production is like insane. It sounds like it's done in an in, in amazing studio. So that's impressive. That was Chris Collier. He's he that kid's amazing. He's 32 and he can play every instrument. And man, he's got great ears and knows how to record a record. Man, I'm telling you, you don't need a million dollar studio anymore. You can no, do not today. No, <laughs> it's, I know. It's, all, it's up to the ears and the engineers. Like if they know what they're doing. Uh, we we really lucked out. If you look at the video, uh, Rescue Me too. Um, it looks like a fifty thousand dollar video easily, and uh, if I can't even mention what we spent on that, but it's <laughs> insanely cheap for what you see. You know, um, uh, we really lucked out in every every aspect of this is uh, from getting good decent songs to the production to the video. You know. So now the reaction to the record's been pretty amazing from what I'm seeing online. And I guess yeah, the not sales. Too many people hated it. I wanted to see some more haters, and there's not too many on there. <laughs> right. No. And and so I'm wondering when you guys finish this album and you listen back to the whole thing, do you, you know, was the original plan was it'll be for fun and we're not going to worry about it, but now all of a sudden it's this thing that people are into. <laughs> yeah, that, that literally was what, why we were doing it. It's like fun. We didn't want to make any money. Well, of course, you always want to make money, but we weren't looking to. We just wanted to break even on what the expenses we put into it. We we always told ourselves from the beginning if we did that, um, that we'll we'll, we'll that, that'll be you know good.
good enough. But man, people are really freaking out about it. And I'm getting like letters from 18 year old kids that are like, dude, I, I never heard anything like this. And, and it's cool to see people like that appreciation, not just the older rock fans, you know. Some of the just the drum beats on what could be just regular sort of rock songs are really intricate, really interesting and add, a, add an extra level to it. I'm, and I'm just wondering how a song like, for example, Gunfight was inspired, because that whole opening with the riff and the drum, the drum beat is, is, is amazing. So how does, how does a song like that come to be? Yeah, it's weird. Like, well, that's a perfect example. Gunfight, that, that intro drum thing was something I've been... I kind of play that at sound checks and corn shows or whatever. I just kind of warm up, and it's a, it's a warm-up pattern between my hands and my feet. And uh, I ended up... It was in 4-4 four, four time, and I ended up putting that in 3-4 just to see what it would sound like. And uh, Doug or George didn't even have their guitars strapped on yet. And Doug, Doug come in, and he was outside. He's like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just something <laughs> I've been messing with for a while. I just, he was like, wait, 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 don't stop. Just keep playing that. And he picks his bass up, and he starts. He play, He actually played the, the line that George plays on the record. He actually played that line and changed his part once we started rocking it it's kind of weird um right and then so george you know ended up playing that part next thing you know that came together and then uh um so that's just a perfect example how fresh it was it was literally on the cuff like that um another example was uh the song uh burn mm. um, that drum pattern i was checking out my my tom-toms i was just going down to make sure they were in tune and i was checking them out and then i started playing that groove and Doug the same thing he's like what's your, your kick's doing something so weird I never heard a kick drum in that placement before you know and, right. and he goes I want to match that and he then that's next thing you know George picks his axe up and then it becomes a song so uh, what uh, was uh, what, what was the first song you guys wrote if you even remember remember Burn that's exactly it the first one um, the, with the one I just mentioned that was the first one I was checking my toms out and that, that's, that all come in um, Stars the opening track George had that riff. He was, he was going through his pedals boards, and he has such a massive sound. And, and uh, he always plays on twenty. You can't even hear yourself thinking mm -hmm. when he's playing. And uh, <laughs> he's, he's blasting this that riff in the beginning. And I'm like, man, that is so cool. And I had like a normal rock beat over top of that. And I'm like, man, it's just too cliche to play that groove. I'm going to try to be a little more creative on this record and, and go out on the deep end. So. Yeah, that yeah, opening yeah. that opening beat is killer. Just really Thanks, great way to open the album. Really cool. Cool. So, uh, okay, now you have the, this amazing response for this record. Do you even have time to consider touring with this band? Is that on the horizon at all? We definitely want to, and I, and I know some shows will happen before the year's up. Unfortunately, a big tour is not going to happen. We'd love to do, I mean, even Winery Dogs asked us to do something because they're, they're out there tearing it up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and... We had, you know, it's just too hard with corn. You know, it's it's the other guys have more open schedules than I do. So, but what we ultimately plan to do is play at least a couple weeks somewhere, and at the end of it, record a DVD for the fans that maybe can't see us live and want to see it. You know, right? So, um, we'll definitely do that before the year's up, and uh, yeah. It seems like there's a lot of uh, a trend with these like super groups, and I've spoken to a few different guys, you know, Portnoy with Renry Dogs and, and some of these other ones, and uh, the scheduling seems to be really hard. Like, everybody's touring, and then they want to meet their families, and then they want to do this and take a break, and it ends up being they have, like, one weekend in December, and they, that's the only time all five people can get together. That's, that's 
absolutely true, and it's harder when you're not 22 anymore because we do all have families. I mean, right. uh, the corn guys, we have to touch home base or they'll lose their minds. And, uh, um, and, the, and the thing is, when you're in your main significant band, the last thing you want to do is jump on another tour bus, let alone a band or something. Right. Going, you know? <laughs> so right. It's... it's uh, it's it's a lot from even I'm flying to Ohio to do drum days uh, tomorrow, uh, and it's just just to take two or three days off to do a drum clinic anymore is is rough because I don't I don't want to miss my boy you know he's three yeah you know, sure he, he, he's an awesome love being with my family so yeah that's the hardest thing man is scheduling it and uh, um, Billy Sheen's another guy that just man he's just all over the place me and him are working on a side record right now it's just all drums and bass and. That guy, you know, God, he does three shows with Niacin, with Chambers, and then he'll jump on a plane. He's doing winery dogs right now, and then Steve Vai will come. And he, I mean, and he's 10 years older than me. I'm, You know, sometimes I'll get off tour going, how many more years can I do this? I look <laughs> like him. He's a freaking superhero, you know. So. That's, yeah, well, and, and Doug, too. I mean, you know, we were on this prog yeah. cruise uh, yeah. out of Miami, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, Are you on he, that? Yeah, I, have, I happened to, to get a chance to go, and it was really cool. But the, uh, the 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 main band everyone wanted to see was King's X. Like that was it. He was like you know Elvis on the ship. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, you know it's it's. I think that's you know we had uh, the video you see for Rescue Me. It was you know we had camera guys from the Queen Latifah show. We had all these like huge working people that would want tons of money, and they're all giant King's X fans, and they all think that you know Doug should be bigger than Paul McCartney. You know? Right. So, <laughs> Crazy. That's very cool. So, listen, I want to got a couple more minutes with you here. Just wanted to see, uh, you know, uh, your influences. You know, from what what got you into drumming growing up and music you were into, and and what are you listening to now outside of you know rock, if anything? Yeah, yeah I'm, I, you know, being a lifer, and this is all I do, and this is all I will do till I die. It's like you, you. It's weird. I knew at a very young age what I'd be doing the rest of my life, whether I was successful or not. I, I just had to do it, and. Uh, with when you do that, it, it, it obviously the spectrum gets huge, you know. And I'm very open-minded. I, I, I even though I'm a rock slash metal guy, I'm I'm very. Uh, I I just had Seal on this morning. I mean, I'll, I'll listen to his album and I'll right. I'll, I'll put on. Uh, I had an old Buddy Rich DVD I just watched recently. Uh, just back to you know going way back to the original greats, uh, you know, from him to you know. I'm listening to the new Kojira record, which is a pretty in-your-face metal. And, right. Uh, I love the band Mute Math. They're they're really inspiring. They're great. They're, they're really great. They're freaking awesome. And they just saw them. They were on Soundwave on this little itty bitty stage off the side, and they just killed it. You know, and uh, any band like that that moves me. You know, I don't I don't care how fast you can play. All these extreme metal bands, I just don't get it. A lot of it. It's it's too. I don't know. I just don't get it. I like soul. I like passion. I like the feel of uh, depth in music. Yeah. And uh, so it doesn't matter what it is. I just watched Peter Gabriel live from Italy uh, with with Paula Cole and Manu Cache and Tony Levin and all these amazing musicians on it. And that's so inspiring. There's stuff like that I'll whip out like twice a year just for inspiration. And and uh, um, but you know I'm going to see Nine Inch Nails. You know, <laughs> I run the gamut, man, for sure. But as as a drummer, were you always uh, sort of like an aggressive, you know, kind of heavy rock drummer, or did you try jazz and different things? 
I, I, I tried it. Well, am I, when I went to the, to the music school, that really kicked my ass as far as like, you know, I, I knew, realized how many styles I didn't know. Um, but right. I grew up, if it wasn't for Peter Chris and playing the Kiss records, I don't think I'd be here today. Right. When, when you grow up on a 118 acre farm in the middle of nowhere, you just see the covers of magazines and you buy that record. So I saw Kiss everywhere and I guess I bought a bunch of Kiss records. And then, you know, um, uh, I was into Rush and big time into ACDC and Ozzy so it was like I knew when I put on Back in Black and I played to it that it was much easier than Moving Pictures by Rush <laughs> it was uh, you know I played a physical graffiti my favorite stuff on record and I was basically self-taught you know those were the guys that really got me going and uh, um, you don't realize at a young age who has uh, more technical ability than right. Peter Chris to me was the king at the time sure so how many uh, projects do you think you've played on at, the, at this point in your career? It's, it's got to be a crazy number. It's, uh, you know, I, I t- try to tally up all the sessions and demos and movie soundtracks. And I'm on 77 CDs, approximately. Wow. And about 17 movie soundtracks. And uh, so for a while, I was a session guy. That's all I did. So um, it, it obviously quarantined me for the last seven years, which is amazing. I wouldn't have it any other way. But I had to leave all that session life, so um, right. there's about three or four records I can honestly listen to. I'm, I'm a really bad critic of myself, but if listeners want to, or your, your readers want to check out, check out the Army of Anyone record uh, with the, the Leo Brothers, obviously KXM and the Corn, the Paradigm Shift. That's my proudest. Awesome. Record. All right, Ray, well, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. Good luck with the Corn Tour and KXM and everything. Hopefully we'll talk again soon. You know, in a couple weeks. All right, man. Take it easy. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks to Ray for the interview. We're going to close with the opening track off of KXM, the track called Stars. For more information and upcoming interviews, please check theprogreport.com. Thanks.